630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Three and a half minutes left in the second period. It is still Philadelphia leading Boston 3-2 in the NHL. Blues and Golden Knights will get started in about an hour. Tomorrow, 6 o'clock face-off show game at 8. Oilers at Coyotes. It's a final at Fenway. Red Sox get hammered 9-1 by the Astros. Astros are up 3-2 in the American League Championship Series. Top of the third in Los Angeles. Atlanta up 3-0 on the Dodgers. Atlanta leads that series two games to one. And uh, the Raptors trailing mightily this evening. Does that make sense? Trailing mightily? They're way behind. That's what I'm trying to say. 65-42, five minutes into the third quarter season opener for the Raptors. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. 780-496-0063. Got a message here from Doug who said, uh, Hey, Reed, I heard you talking about Kyler Yamamoto on your show a couple of days ago. Looks like he wasn't able to step up last night. Did he not get demoted as the game went on? That is from Doug. Uh, he did. He got his ice time cut as the game went on. It has been a tough start to the season for Kyler Yamamoto. Brendan Perlini got a uh, a look on the line with Hyman and Nugent Hopkins a couple of times in the third period. I would, well, we'll see what happens tomorrow because we've had this discussion, you know, Stoff and I have discussed it. Could it be a home road split for how Dreisaitl and McDavid are deployed? Are they going to be on the same line or will they not be on the same line? Will they be broken up away from home to make it a little harder for the home coach to line match? Of course, the home team can control the line matchups with the last change. So could tomorrow, could they roll it out this way? With McDavid centering Hyman and Pugliarvi and then Dreisaitl is with Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto. I don't think you're touching the third line, and I, I don't think you have to mess with the fourth line at, at this point. Certainly, Perlini was the man with the golden stick in the preseason. The, the fourth line is not playing a lot through three games. Shore's back, so I think you give Shore, Perlini, and Turris another game. So in the top six, do they split up McDavid and Dreisaitl because they're on the road. I, I think that's something to watch for as we start getting reports from the uh, morning skate tomorrow. I, I, I mean, yes, they, they need more from Yamamoto. Rob Brown explained it well, as, as we've talked about it on the Oilers broadcast. You know, if you're on one of the first two lines, you have to score. I mean, maybe you don't have to be the top scorer, but you have to put the puck in the net sometimes. And, Yamamoto was in a slump to finish off last season, and uh, he's been quiet to start this season. We talked about his penalty trouble here. I don't think they're going to give up on this player. I don't think they're going to, you know, banish him or anything like that. Um, but clearly, Tippett thought it was it was time to try something a little bit different last night as the game went on. I, I would think Yamamoto would be back up in a top six role, though, to start the game tomorrow, and then we see how it goes from there. I, I will say this talking about the Oilers so far. Last night, certainly an entertaining game. I'm sure you're all happy they got the win. I I truly believe, show me a good team, and I'll show you a team that can have an off night and still win. And the Oilers were good enough to do that yesterday. And as Jack said, maybe you could argue that they haven't had their A game in, in any of their games so far this season. I, I think they've played really well at times, for sure. They've they've had some lapses along the way, absolutely, but but they still got the wins. And I think 
one of the big reasons they've got the wins, and, and yes, I know McDavid and Dreisaitl are over two points a game and all that kind of stuff. I, I mean, certainly those guys are going to be the, the main drivers of the bus here. But then you've got a second line that five on five, I would say, has been not great with Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, and Yamamoto. So you don't have those guys really excelling five on five. You know, I still think Hyman has played well. I know he wound up with a big minus uh, yesterday. Nuge made a nice pass to Cassian. Sure, um, you know, Yamamoto has struggled. So I don't know if there's if there's been a game where you've said, okay, that, that second line really grabbed that five on five for the entire 60 minutes. So what's helped the Oilers? Well, they, they have an actual third line, everybody. How about that? They they have an actual third line. Often last season, I said the Oilers had two fourth lines. They didn't really have a third line. They, they kind of had two fourth lines. Uh, Rob Brown said in the playoffs as they were getting eliminated by Winnipeg, he said, I'm not sure if they have a second line. You know, they had Nuge, who's, who's probably a second line player, but they didn't really have anybody to go with them. And then, so maybe you had four top six players and then eight fourth line players last season as the player wound as this as the playoffs wound down against Winnipeg and as as we know they only used nine forwards for most of that uh, triple overtime game against Winnipeg so they have an actual third line and and going over the positives and the negatives for the season to, in the very young form it exists that's a big positive for me Fogel has looked very good takes the puck to the net Jams the puck into the crease, is good down low, helped set up that goal last night. Cassian, two games back, two goals. He's been good down low. And Derek Ryan, who we're going to talk about with Kelly Rudy in a few minutes, very solid, helps defensively, smart player. He has a goal, and he's able to help create some chaos down low as well. So, yes, there are things we can pick at here with the Oilers, but so much of the last... I guess three years has been, well, they, they, they got some high end players and they rely so heavily on them. Well, McDavid and Dreisaitl came through, um, you know, after the Pugliarvi's come through after that, maybe you'd hope a little bit for a little bit more from Hyman, Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto, but you're still able to win because the third line can contribute head coach, Dave Tippett. Uh, that line's been good again. They were, they were good again. Zach's getting rewarded with a little bit of power play time there at the end, and and uh, he's around the net. The line the line has been real good, been really good for us. So going on the road, hopefully they can continue that. All right, yeah, that line's been really promising. Okay, let's call a quick timeout. Our weekly guest, former NHL goaltender, now broadcaster Kelly Rudy, coming up. So the Oilers news today, Mike Smith on injured reserve. Stuart Skinner called up from the Bakersfield Condors. We welcome back to Inside Sports, powered by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian, try four weeks free. Visit sentinelstorage.ca. It is Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, Reed. Thanks. It's great to have you on the show. Hope you're having a good week. Uh, man, I feel like we have a lot to talk about here a week into the season. I want to start with this, though. I'm going to have Steve Hogel on the show a little bit later on from 
uh, Edmonton Hockey, and they've announced uh, Minor Hockey Week is back in January. Of course, they couldn't do it last year with the with the pandemic. So I know uh, Minor Hockey Week back in uh, your day, growing up in the in West Edmonton, you mu- you must have had some great experiences playing in that. One hundred percent. But first of all, tell Steve I said hello. It's been so long. I mean, he and I have known each other. I think forty some years. So it, it's. Uh, good memory and uh yeah so but minor hockey week was just a a treat for me right and uh you remember Reed I've told you many times I played in the community of Elmwood and I wasn't very good so I was never on the rep teams until I was 16 first time I made a rep team so most of my games Reed as a youngster were outdoors and so why minor hockey was so cool because it was a great event uh but also, I got to play indoors, uh, and so in some of the arenas, like I remember usually starting at uh, Coronation Arena, um, and uh, I think the odd, well, we play, I played quite a few of my games either outdoors or in shells, and I think, I don't know how it's physically possible, but the shells seem colder than outdoors. Um, I think a lot of Edmontonians remember those days, and uh, uh, just so many good memories we didn't really do all that well in minor hockey week i think one year we uh we won three or four games but uh, typically we're one and done or something like that but i still loved it and in fact my many years as a broadcaster whenever this would come up it would just uh, i i think i would usually talk about it early in my broadcasting days on hockey night and i think it's just a great event for families to really enjoy the spirit of the game as well yeah yeah, I'm glad it's coming back. I'm looking forward to talking to Steve about that uh, for sure tonight. Okay, Oilers stuff. And last night, kind of a crazy game. I got to ask you the goaltending question because you know I work with Rob Brown, and he's he's got a bit of a okay. he's got a bit of a grudge against goalies because they were always stopping him. <laughs> so when they make a mistake, I think he always enjoys it a little bit. Uh, but the the goal by Bouchard. So he's behind the icing line and he just taps it at the net and, you know, Stolarz is off the post and, and in it goes and the ducks are behind. And I, you know, I'm looking at that and thinking, what is, what is Stolarz doing? Why is he sneaking away from the post there? How did you see that yeah. play? Okay. So I think it hit the uh, defenseman, Josh Mahura's stick. And so whenever it's even, it, even though it looks like it's just relatively little, that can really throw you off because you're expecting something else. And yeah, he wasn't solid to his post, but nonetheless, he was expecting that puck to come out front and all of a sudden it's uh, redirected ever so slightly. And sometimes as soon as that happens, you know, oh no, I'm in trouble. And I don't know if he had that immediate feeling, but yet you pretty much know right away that you could be in trouble. And so I wonder if, that went through his head, but that was a game. And uh, uh, by the way, Rob had pretty good luck against the goaltenders. He he had a pretty darn good career against all of us, but uh, it was not a, a great game for either goaltender. Well, I guess Koskinen was actually quite good, but uh, Mike Smith, I didn't think was all that sharp. I don't know if he is nursing the injury the entire game or just felt that at some point that uh, he better come out and, and not do more damage. But uh, I, I thought that Smith and Stolers weren't very good at all. Well, I don't know. I mean, look, Gibson is the Ducks so far. I mean, what is he, 961 save percentage of the two well, games he's played? I mean, he won that game in Calgary pretty much. And I've covered both his wins. So we were, Rick Ball and I were down in uh, 
uh, Anaheim for the first game of the season. The Jets were visiting Anaheim. And for the first two periods, uh, Reed, it was the John Gibson show because I thought the Jets were tremendous. And the Jets had, I want to say, four power plays in the first two periods, and Gibson uh, was spectacular. The same in Calgary on Monday night. He, he just, everything about him right now is is excellent um the one thing i was told by somebody close to the organization uh and he you probably heard he had some comments to start the year something about if they're not winning you know he might want to go elsewhere I, I you know maybe it wasn't quite that but it was something that was really raised a lot of attention anyways and uh, i was told by somebody that uh, this is how he started off the last two years as well and then when it starts to go a little bit south then he it's not that he loses interest, but he gets a little bit frustrated with the situation we're in. So we'll have to watch that because when he's on, uh, all of us know he is clearly one of the best in the game. Yeah, Kelly Rudy joining us tonight at Inside Sports. So the Oilers win that 6-5. Zach Cassian scores twice. Mm-hmm. You know, one was on uh, on a power play, and I realize the other one was a, a partial line change. It was a pass from Nuge. Uh, Derek Ryan hadn't come on the ice yet. But nonetheless... I think that third line has been excellent. Fogel, Ryan, and Cassie. And Cassie missed the first game of the year. Yeah. And look, I you know I followed Derek Ryan. I saw him play at the U of A. Was thrilled for yeah. him when he came when he came back to Carolina. Now just seeing yeah. him, you know, in person from up top, man, oh man, I appreciate what he brings to the team. Yeah, I was the same way. I was just so fortunate to cover him so many years here in Calgary. And the guy rarely makes a mistake, right? He positionally, he's always where he needs to be. Uh, just a, a really good smart player i i kind of wonder to a certain degree why it took a little bit longer for him to to get uh, some traction in his nhl career because as as you know after he went to left uh, the u of a he went overseas for a lot of years and i'm sure he would have been the same productive player over there and somehow i don't think he he was missed or fell through the cracks but uh, maybe coming back the opportunities they may have been like a two-way contract or something that uh, he was probably making more money overseas and so when he did come back uh i just it was a it's a not only is it a good story but it's i think a motivation for some players that maybe view going down to the minors or even going overseas as a you know, a real slap in the face because I've always said, Reed, now, you know, you have a lot of younger players. It's a young man's game now. And you don't, not everyone goes down to the minors as frequently as uh, when I started. And and you look at the Detroit uh, organization when Ken Holland was there and what they're trying to do in Edmonton is that, yeah, there's no shame in going down to the minors, right? You know, I think that it can be a really important step for a lot of people. And uh, I know for myself, I wouldn't have made the National Hockey League if I didn't spend two full seasons down in the minors. And uh, it was a great experience for me. Met a lot of really great people. Didn't have the same pressure. And so I was able to sort of get some progress at my own sort of pace, kind of like Derek Ryan. But he, the Oiler fans will soon recognize his importance uh, in that lineup. And so McDavid and Dreisaitl and uh, Nugent Hopkins and all the other great players can do their thing and not worry about who's following uh, our line. Yeah. Yeah, that's well said for sure. That that positive story for the Oilers so far, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, look, last night's game, it, it was sloppy, like I said. That's pretty much mm-hmm. the, the theme from that game. And 
I was curious what Dave Tippett was going to say after the game. Like, was he going to give the, well, I, we won, but I'm grumpy and we can't give up five. He was actually pretty calm. Like he came out after and said, well, you know, we won. Of course there are things to work on, but three and oh, let's take the win and let's, uh, let's head on the road. I was like, okay, that's an interesting approach. Is he trying yeah. to just sort of downplay the mistakes, not, beat on the players with 79 games left uh you know you you would have played you would have heard things your coaches said in the media what what did you think of that approach i loved it uh i i really thought that that was a, a good measured approach as well thought out um i think as you mentioned they're three and oh i mean you, you don't have to uh uh get ahead of yourself and start complaining to the players especially to the media early on right now maybe if he went into the dressing room after and said you know something like well congratulations a win's a win but boy there's a lot of things we've got to clean up here i mean that seems like a reasonable message to send to that group also but the players know it right like you know they play in a game like that it's not as though they go home and and think wow were we unbelievable tonight they, you rarely ever have to remind a player if they played well or if they played poorly they know in their own heart but uh i, I it is an interesting way of dealing with it when and uh i think you might have saw this or uh earlier in the preseason dave tippett kind of went after dry side a little bit for that backhand pass i think it led to a goal but we even showed it on hockey night last saturday that discussion and uh everybody had their point and i was like actually i'm perfectly fine with that backhand pass in the offensive zone i'm not as fine with it in the neutral zone or in the defensive zone so i don't care what game it is when you have skilled players like dry and mcdavid they've got a green light pretty much do a lot of what they their own sort of uh freelancing if you will and I, i'm not i'm certainly not going to try and limit that or or make them feel as though oh boy that's might be a dangerous pass few player players can make those passes right so allow that to happen yeah yeah i, I, I we talked about that too rob and i about because tippett mm -hmm. was kind of harsh after that preseason yeah. game and we thought Wow, I, I think he said he liked Dreisaitl's backhand passes, but he said too many went to the other team, right? Yeah. So that, that was, which, uh, you know, fair enough. I guess he was putting down uh, the uh, the groundwork. Was there a point when you played, or maybe I'll ask it to you this way, like, like how, how many times can a coach really explode on a team during a year until they, they tune him out and you're just like, come on, buddy, settle down? That's a great point, right? And uh, I would say maybe a handful, and you've got to really pick your spots well, right? Like You can certainly harp on all the details. There's no question about that. But in terms of really going after the group, you've got to make sure it's at the right time, and you've got to make sure uh, mentally that the group can handle it at that time. Uh, it's very difficult to go after the guys when they're already, uh, they've already lost their confidence, right? Um, I, and, and you've got to be truthful and you've got to, if you're going to say something in the media, then it has to be something, uh, and, and here I'll just get to the point. I had a coach and uh, I really liked him. Uh, won't say where I played uh, for this guy, 
but uh, we had a game in which we were pretty sluggish, I think, after two periods, and we had a great third, and we beat the, the other team. And the coach, uh, after the game, was quoted as saying something that, yeah, I came in there after the second period, and I just gave it to them, and, and they responded nicely. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that never happened. You didn't even come in the dressing room in the second intermission. You didn't say anything. So you've got to be careful because then – you know, we kind of look at him like, well, that didn't happen. I mean, what else is he telling people? So, you know, it's it's a really you, – you have to learn that as a coach. That you've got to really pick your spots and choose them wisely. Yeah, well, that's a great story for sure. All right. Well, Kelly, a pleasure to have you on tonight. Of course, we will do this again next week. We'll see how the Oilers do on these two games on the road without Mike Smith, of course, who's on injured reserve. So we'll have plenty yeah. to talk about, man. Have a great week. Okay, thanks, Reed. Take care, bud. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Great to have Kelly Rudy on the show. As always, powered by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian. Store Canadian. Try four weeks free. Visit sentinelstorage.ca. NHL, just one game currently on the ice. Five minutes into the third period. Flyers leading Boston 4-3. Cam Atkinson, his second of the game. He's now up to three on the season. He scored in the first minute of the third to give the Flyers the lead. Blues and Golden Knights coming up at the top of the hour. Oilers at Arizona tomorrow. Six o'clock face-off show here on 630 Ched. And the game will start at eight. Raptors, well, they've chipped away a little bit, but still a lot of work to do. Ten minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Wizards lead the Raptors 81-66. Baseball playoffs. Astros all over the Red Sox. 9-1 the final. Houston's up 3-2 in the best of seven. ALCS Atlanta with a four nothing lead on the Dodgers in the fifth inning. That is game four of the NLCS and Atlanta leads that series two games to one time to go to the certainty hotline certainty professional grade building materials 780-496-0063. I am pleased to welcome back to the show a former broadcaster here in the city of Edmonton. Now the general manager of hockey Edmonton. It is Steve Hogel checking in. Steve, how are you doing? I am outstanding, Reed. It's dynamite to be back. Well, it's great to have you on the show. You know, you and I have obviously stayed in touch. And as I've said with a lot of people in sort of leadership or management positions with sporting teams or sporting organizations, so many interviews over the past year and a bit about postponements, cancellations, not having events, not having activities. So I'm glad this is starting to go the other direction here and a great announcement about Quick Card Minor Hockey Week. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and the reaction we saw online and talking to people when we announced it speaks to exactly what you're talking about. You know, earlier this year, we saw the kids return to the ice. So much fun seeing them with smiles on their faces and lots of laughs and competing. And then you announce Quick Card Edmonton Minor Hockey Week. And oh my goodness, it's like people are screaming from the rooftops. So excited to see it back. And everybody uh, in the hockey world pretty well can relate to this fantastic event. Well, that's a great way to put it. And it, so tell, first of all, before we look at, at minor hockey week, because I know last year when we talked, we had, you know, sometimes limited number of players on the ice <laughs> playing a cohort. So you might yep. have to play the same team or scrimmage against the same team over and over again. Like what's been happening this fall? Is it like a normal minor hockey season or what's it like? 
Yes, I'm going to knock really loud on that wood. And yes, we are in a normal hockey season, as normal as we get in a pandemic. So the city of Edmonton came down with uh, good strict requirements to be able to access arenas. You know, those 12 years and age of older have to show proof of vaccination or a negative test or a medical exemption. And, and there's all the distancing that has to go on uh, other than on the ice, uh, the masking and those kinds of things. So we have those measures in place. Everybody's been really good following them. You get the odd hiccup here and there and you get that going in. You know that's going to happen going in. Um, but by and large, our hockey family has been fantastic driving the bus on this and, and staying safe. And, and we always give huge props to the attendants at the rinks who are asking for that information because some people, you know, get rubbed the wrong way. And we try to remind people, hey, these people are just trying to keep everybody safe so the kids can keep on playing hockey. And on a far broader scale, our community can get back to life as normal. Yeah. Okay. So January 7th to 16th for quick card Edmonton minor hockey week. Um, how many, I know it's usually in the hundreds, like how many teams and players and all that are we looking at? Yeah. It, it, it is absolutely crazy. We'll have almost 10,000 players for more than 600 teams. So from the little guys, the novice aged guys up to U18 and uh, everybody in between and, and a real nice big geographical footprint from around the capital region. So not just Edmonton, but all our surrounding communities as well. And it's just one big happy party. And, uh, you know, everybody gets so jacked and those arenas just get rocking. And then the roof comes off on those final games in the final weekend. Okay, so is uh, I apologize if I'm getting ahead of myself, but like are the schedules already being made? Can volunteers already throw their name into the hat if they want to get involved? Yeah, yeah, we've got everything's on hockeyedmonton.ca, so you can go there and get all that information. Uh, we love to hear from volunteers all the time. The schedules are in the process of being drawn up. We had to get our final number of teams, and uh, so the the schedule workers, Dave and Ray, are are working long hours. Uh, you know, they worked long hours last year and. And minor hockey week is another long hour kind of day. Uh, so those guys do yeoman service and, and they're in the process of cobbling together the schedule. Okay. Well, I, I, I again, this, this is great. I was so happy to see the news announced earlier this week and I appreciate you coming on because uh, it's always fun. I, I know from a standpoint of working in the media, there's always a, a great story or two to be found for, for inside sports during that week. So I hope we'll have that coming up in, January of 2022. Did I miss anything big, Steve? You know, I, I mean, no, you hit all the key points and, and you're right, Reed, because, you know, this has been around since 1964. And so over the course of those almost six decades, hundreds of thousands of players and coaches and volunteers have gone through the system and everybody's got their unique memory. It's really fun talking to people because uh, it's particular to them, of course, and uh, but, but it's funny how uh, those memories stick around and, and uh, you know, a lot of us go to work in the community. Some, uh, a few players go on to play NHL hockey, but even those guys that play pro remember minor hockey week. So yeah, it, it really strikes a chord um, and, and uh, everybody uh, has those touch points with it. So 
Smith on injured reserve. Skinner has been called up. Oilers at Coyotes tomorrow. The game starts at 8. Our coverage commences with the face-off show at 6 o'clock tomorrow here on 6.30. Ched, November 12th and 16th, the Canadian men's soccer team continues its quest to qualify for the World Cup with matches here in Edmonton. Tickets go on sale Friday morning at 10 a.m. on Ticketmaster. John Herdman, the head coach of the men's national team, joined me at the rink last night. Yeah, blown away by this place, Reid. This is uh, a summer arena, this. Wow. Wish we could put our game in here. <laughs> Squeeze it in somehow. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, we're lucky to have it for sure. And we're lucky to have you in today. Of course, the, the tickets are on sale for those games starting Friday through Ticketmaster as low as uh, 20 bucks, so people can check out a variety of options. Um, so tell me a little bit about coming to Edmonton in November. Like, are you, are you hoping it's the ugliest possible Edmonton November weather for these visiting teams uh, a little bit of that uh, <laughs> no I, th- I think there's there's a couple of factors to this one we bring Davies home we bring Alfonso home I mean that kid was one of the brightest Canadian lights through that COVID period and just just kept people going with his with his achievements so to bring him back and to let that young generation see him in his hometown, you never know when that opportunity will present itself again, or well, probably 2026. But uh, yeah, bringing him back, and uh, you know, I was here in 2015 when you know 50, 56,000 filled that stadium and celebrated with us when Christine scored the penalty. So I know what this this community delivers. I know they're patriotic, they they care about Canada, they love their sports and we're just hoping they come out. I mean, the weather the weather's a factor. I mean, to, to put Mexico in in those conditions is always uh, good for us, but it, it's more about the crowd. I just think we're, we're going to get a great a great spirited crowd here that can create a fortress for us and give us what we need to get the six points we're after. You mentioned Davies. Can you give us your perspective of the goal against Panama? Oh, my goodness. It was... I don't know if you see my celebration at the end. I didn't actually celebrate. I was still in disbelief because it was like you're watching it. And I was frustrated because we'd missed some of these opportunities to play behind them. And it was another ball that was overhit. And then I seen him and I'm thinking he's picking up speed. And it was like a, a cheetah closing on a gazelle. It was like that, that sort of slow motion. And he took the ball, and then even in that moment, I thought he was going to pass it to to Buchanan, who was on the top of the box. So I'm still, my mind's in, this ball's getting passed. And then it was in the back of the net. And you could see the disbelief in the goalkeeper, who didn't move, just the way he angled his hips. Oh, it was a special night. Really special goal, special night. But unless we qualify for the World Cup, it'll be worth nothing. And and that's what these fans, I'm hoping, are going to come out and push this team into Qatar. Are you... I mean, you're in third, correct? Out of, out of eight? And yeah. the top three get in. Are you... I don't know if satisfied is the right word because I, I know just listening to the analysts, guys like me who talk into microphones, maybe there's, you wish you would have pulled another point or two out of a couple of games, but how, how do you feel so far about the performance? Yeah, very good. I think you, you have to look at CONCACAF, you have to look at the realities in CONCACAF. There's just no easy game. So you see USA heading down to Panama and getting beat, dropping points, dropping points in El Salvador. And they're the benchmark. They're the team that's been to the World Cups with, with Mexico. Mexico drawing games in, in Panama. So 
there's no easy game. It's it's probably just for a lot of people waking up to an education about how tough Conquer Calf is. And you go into places like the Azteca with 60,000 people, altitude, pollution. And that's what we're trying to create here. You know, we're not going to be typically Canadian this time round and put a nice BC place on, on offer with, you know, 21 degrees, climate control and yeah we're going to make it tough for our opponents and, and get everything out of of this home environment we can John Herdman joining us on the face-off show head coach of the Canadian men's soccer team again they're here November 12th and 16th Commonwealth Stadium tickets are going to go on sale on uh, on Friday and Alfonso Davies as John mentioned going to be playing uh, in his home city which is which is going to be awesome this this generation of players that are, are going for the World Cup this season and, and as you mentioned you know maybe building towards 2026 as well what has allowed this generation to separate and appear to be on path to qualify in a nation as you know we've had so many disappointments uh in the men's game in the past well it's culture i think the the culture's being created i mean this generation's emerged over a four-year period in 2018 uh, jonathan david wasn't playing in europe and 2018 alfonso davies had just joined Bayern munich and barely got a minute on the field there was no alistair johnson no tejon buchanan and i'd like to think their their performances in a canadian shirt in those gold cups have been what's elevated their their stock is what's created this generation and i have to say the culture that's been created by the leadership group where these these young players uh, have been given a real purpose when you pull on that shirt it, it has a a new meaning uh, and and they know they have an opportunity to take it somewhere it's never been before so when you come into an environment and you're not just worried about keeping your shirt and you're not just worried about performing for Canada it it's this group of men can be that group of men that changed the game forever and and that's a hell of a motivator and it, it helps keep people in line and keeps egos in check uh, and then I think just a great leadership group that have embraced these young men and haven't bullied them into you've got to earn your right. They've just let them get out there and play their game. For you as a as a coach, I'm curious because they go to their club teams and then they come back for two or three matches. They go to their club teams, they come back for two or three matches. How do you build the, the continuity and the system play, I guess, if you want to call it that, through sort of the, the stop and start of the men's team being together? Well, there's a group of players that have, have been with us now for four years, since 2018, Jonathan Azario, Sammy Piet, um, Mark anthony Kerr. You know, there's a, the, those guys are, are really important pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. So, you, you know, you have your tactical architects. These are the people that understand the identity, the, the, the way that we play inside out, and they're on the field. Uh, and there's reasons why certain players get picked and others don't, and they tend to be the glue in that. And then I'd say it's investment in the leadership group. I mean, we spend a lot of time you know, during the, the camp breaks with those leaders, you know, determining elements of our gaps, what we're trying to close. So work's done before they, they actually come into the environment. So it's just, when they come in, there's clarity, typically, for the players, that they're really mission-focused. And, and I feel like the two days we get to prep, there's real efficiency because 
the structure's there, that the guys come in and work. And, and that's, you know, something that, you know, one of the senior players has said, it used to be a vacation for them coming in. But they come in to work and they put the work in and it's paying off. I got to ask you also about the, the team you used to coach, the women's team. What did it mean to you to see the Golden Tokyo? Yeah, it was uh, it was a, a big moment, emotional moment. Um, you know, with seeing the flag rise was something we talked about in 2012. But to hear the anthem as well, and then to see the U.S. sitting on the third of the podium, it just. Yeah, it was a special moment. I think, you know, I was close to a lot of those senior players and we went through our ups and downs. But to see Sink pick up the gold and not a bronze, I mean, that's it's what you do it for as a coach. You want your players to have those moments. And I know I wasn't part of it, but just uh, be in my living room with my daughter watching it happen, it was a special moment. All right, and before I let you go, and thanks so much for dropping by tonight. I know you've had a, had a busy day, but the match is coming up November 12th and 16th. Again, Friday, the tickets are going to go on sale through Ticketmaster to see Costa Rica and Mexico. Um, your connection or what you've learned about hockey or any hockey-related story since you've become part of the fabric of our nation here? Well, uh, yeah, I was uh, at one point I was asked to do a little bit of work with the Canucks and... Uh, spent some time in that environment with the players and the staff and got invited to watch a game with uh, the high brass and they were sort of I think wanting some pearls of wisdom and I just said to them look I reckon if you can just reduce the size of the goalkeeper's pads maybe alter his stick a little bit and just get him to play out a bit more it'll, it'll give you a new dimension I never got invited back so anyway <laughs> Maybe in the future. What do you enjoy most about uh, hockey? Ah, just the, the visceral, you know, competitiveness, the fights. The it's like a throwback, you know. It's uh, you know the games have, have become so PC and so many different cultures, you know, sport. And I just feel like hockey hangs on to those old traditions. Yeah, I, I just, you, you can hear it. You can hear the contact. Yeah, I love it. I love that element of it. And and the fact that uh, they do the empty net. I think that's a great idea. I'm thinking of bringing that into football. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.